0: chapter 5. We begin in verse 43, read through 48. The words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount as we conclude our Upside Down series. <clears throat> you have heard that it was said, you shall love your enemy neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven Is perfect. Friends, Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read and word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you have to say to us this day in your name. Amen. So I have a confession to make. I have always been a big fan of professional. The Royal Rumble event was last night. I haven't watched it yet. I don't want any spoilers. I've actually been to this event before, and it's phenomenal, right? Uh, but, but there's just something about it. Kate calls it my grown-up soap opera. <laughs> Grown men yelling at each other, pointing into the camera, cell, saying sentences of disdain and hate towards one another. You know, it, It's scripted. Okay? It is, it's scripted, but it's not fake. There's a difference. <laughs> it's choreographed, but it's not fake. <laughs> but but the, the, the hate that they portray for each other, it, when they get in the locker room, they, they really are buddy-buddy most of the time, but on camera and on the stage, it, it looks authentic and real, does it not? <laughs> They tell a great story. It's convincing. The crowd feeds off of it. Wrestling is big business not just because of the sport, but because of the natural, almost innate inclination for us to want to find the bad guys and treat them as such. We seem to know instinctively how to treat the bad guys, do we not? The wrestlers have it down. You yell at them, you call them names, you call them out, you beat them up, you make a show of it, and everybody cheers and claps and goes on about their business. It just makes sense to hate your enemy and to treat them badly, right? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave his version of how to treat the bad guy. Jesus knows that we have to deal with people, probably on a daily basis, who treat us less than human, who uh, hurt us, who simply we don't like, right? But remember that what Jesus describes is different. And, and that's what this series, Upside Down, has been all about, right? Right? That when we encounter Jesus, when we listen and follow Jesus, our lives end up looking different from the rest of the world. And most of the time, they even end up looking upside down. And the way Jesus says to treat those that we hate, it's hard to do it's it's upside down even from our own instincts as humans after all when we hate people when we really and truly hate people it's hard not to be mean and to be ugly and to be hurtful <clears throat> sometimes when we hear the word the word hate we think well i don't really hate anybody right hate is hate is such a strong word right I mean, it's a word we teach our kids not to use. But if we were to break down the word that Jesus uses here, it means this. It means to dislike intensely or passionately. To dislike intensely or passionately. Well, if that's what hate means, then we could probably think of a number of things that we dislike intensely, do we not? I can think of a few right off the bat rival sports teams, the traffic light down at the corner, especially the one at 190, the long lines at Walmart and at the airport, the delays at the airplane. I mean, we could go on and on about the things that we find that we dislike passionately. But what about when the thing that we dislike is not a football team, but a person or a group of people? What if it's a person that we work with? What if it's another member of our family? Jesus gives a a teaching here that is contrary to all of our instincts. Last week, Jesus frequently begins a new topic with the words, You have heard it was said. Remember that? You have heard it was said. This phrase refers back uh, to the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, Almost like saying you have heard it said your whole life in church, dot, 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 right? Or, or uh, this is the way that we've always said it, or this is the way that we've done it all in the past, whatever the case may be. That this particular reference is interesting, though, because Jesus says, you have heard that it was said you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Most scholars think that he is clearly referring back to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. There's only one problem with this being the reference. The only mention of the phrase, is the only mention uh, that from what Jesus referred to is the mention of the phrase love your neighbor. Do you see anything missing from there? <laughs> yeah, the whole hate your enemy part is missing, right? <laughs> Between Leviticus 19.18 and Jesus saying you have heard it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy the whole enemy part is missing. Some of the things that this this speaks to this. So, some of the things that, that we lift up as scripture are oftentimes just like that, right? Some of our, our, our favorite sayings in America are things like cleanliness is next to godliness. Anybody ever hear that growing up? Anybody ever use that? But, 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 but how about those that, that may hold truer to some, some of our hearts and some of the ways that we've lived our entire lives? How about a saying such as, God helps those who help themselves? I mean, these are, are great sayings, right? These are great principles to live by. There's only one problem. Neither one of those are in the Bible. Neither one of those are scriptural. So the people of Jesus' time may have been passing on something that was more of a natural inclination rather than a divine inspiration from God about how they should live. To whole hate your enemy part, that's nowhere in the Bible. But because Jesus said, you have heard it was said, that means somebody... Said it somewhere and it got passed along. Are you with me this morning? Jesus is not so concerned, listen carefully. Jesus is not so concerned about us having a bigger rule book, but he is concerned about our hearts. Have you heard this before? Jesus is more concerned about our hearts than about us tallying the rules we break or keep in a rule book. Jesus wants us to be made whole and to be made free from the things that destroy our hearts so that way we can become more of what God desires us to be. Jesus knows that, that we are broken people. Jesus knows that, that people have wronged us. Pe- Jesus knows that people have hurt us. And people, Jesus knows that that our hearts get broken. And that naturally we are going to have people that we just don't like. Sometimes even people that according to the definition that we use today, people that we hate. But here is the whole point of this passage on the Sermon on the Mount today. This is the whole reason, if you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. Jesus knows that hate never leads to healing. Hate never leads to healing. As good and as natural as it may feel at times to hate on somebody, it never leads to to healing. Ultimately, God is concerned about the healing of our hearts so we can be in relationship with Him and in turn be salt and be light in the worlds in which we live in. Hate doesn't lead to those things, it leads away from those things. And unfortunately, once we begin to hate, it becomes a habit. And a habit is something that is easier to do the next time and the next and the next and the next. For most people I know who have a lot of hate in their hearts, the hate began with some kind of wound or some sort of hurt and developed as a protective instinct. Okay, And and now the hate consumes most facets of their life. You know anybody like that? How many? So so okay. So if I were to ask the question, and you don't have to actually raise your hand, just think about it, but but how many of us, based on the definition today, how many of us can say that we have in fact in our lives hated someone? Or, or are hating Someone now. I have a, a brief story. I had a situation with someone and, and 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 this was years ago, and I was trying to handle it in a Christian way, but somehow we both had hate, <laughs> the kind that is disliked passionately. We had that grow in our hearts towards one another every time I would see this person, uh, this anger would just boil up in my entire body. <laughs> and, and, you know, every time I saw him, I, I, I would literally get defensive, right? I, I, I would literally catch myself moving into a defensive pose. It was that bad. Uh, I would have make-believe encounters with this person where I was just... Uh, doing my best professional wrestling finishers on him. I mean, I I had the chairs, I had the kendo stick. Everything was being used on this person in my mind, right? And where and and I would make believe where I was telling him all the insults that 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 I felt about him and all the ways that he had hurt me. And and then the and, and then after I told him the way it was, then I would break the folding chair over his head, right? Here's the problem, but because it was affecting my heart. It was affecting me from the inside out. And, 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 and I had thought that we had handled the situation, the initial encounter in a Christian way by not defending ourselves and, 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 and tried to turn the other cheek. But, but Jesus says not just to turn the other cheek from somebody that we don't like. Jesus says we have to follow up our actions with love and with prayer for our enemy. Folks, we, we can put the cup on the counter, but unless we fill it with water, we're never going to drink from it. <laughs> Nothing about the way I handled the situation in the beginning was loving or was prayerful. It was an attempt to sweep under the rug what should have been vacuumed up on the surface and taken care of the first time. Remember the old saying? I don't know about y'all. My, my mama used to tell me when you do things, do them right the first time, otherwise you're gonna have to go back and fix what you didn't do right the first time again and always costs more. It's just like with relationships. That person and I are, are are fine now and and very cordial. I still don't like the person, but I mean we're still cordial, right? <laughs> but but so 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 with that with that don't mistake loving your enemies excuse me don't mistake leaving your enemies alone and avoiding them as loving them okay that's not love that's avoidance (laughs) loving our enemies means that we work and hope and pray for healing we pray for what is right in the eyes of god in that situation And so when I see that person now, there is no twinge of anger because I know that in my heart, God has removed that anger and has healed me in my heart from the inside out. And I know for a fact the same has happened with that person because you can just feel it. But again, know this, healing doesn't always mean the restoration of the relationship. Okay, But you can still heal. You don't have to be buddy-buddy with the person, but you can still love the ones that the world tells us we should hate. We can live the rest of our lives without those people having power over us simply because we dislike them. All right, preacher, that sounds good. How? It's always the question, how, right? How does this apply to me? How can I take this? Jesus says that the way we go about this is as you've already heard. I have already gave away the answer. It's through love and it's through prayer. Love and prayer. Love, uh, love is in many ways a choice, Right? And if we want any hope of a change happening in our hearts towards our enemies, it will be dependent on prayer. Hear this, folks. Hate is the most destructive thing that we can do for the cause of Christ. Hate is the most destructive thing we can do for the cause of Christ. Think about it. Think about it. There are people who hate in the name of Jesus. There are people who picket funerals and bomb abortion clinics and riot the nation's capital in the name of Jesus. Hello? Hate is the most destructive thing we can do for the cause of Christ. It is destructive for the cause of Christ. But you know the flip of that is this. Love is the most different thing we can do for the cause of Christ. Love is the most different thing we can ever do. Christians regularly, even even with good intentions, do bizarre or radical things to get uh, attention for Jesus. You know, it's, it's not necessary. Love is the most different thing that we will ever do. If we just love people, then they will notice it. People will be stopped in their tracks by the love that comes only from Jesus. They will want to ask to know, what is going on with you? (laughs) Last week you were breaking a folding chair over my head in, in your mind. This week you're loving me? What is so different? Why the change? There is no greater chance to be a witness for Jesus in that moment than to say, Jesus is the difference. (laughs) Jesus calls us to be different. We are called upon to do what others either can't or aren't willing to do because of Jesus. I want you to hear the way that that the message translation of Scripture has this passage for us today. Are you familiar with the message? The message is a paraphrase of Scripture written by Dr. Eugene Peterson in very blunt language. I love the message. Okay? And here's why. This is the Scripture from today through the message. You're familiar with the old written law, Love your friend. And its unwritten companion hate your enemy. But I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best. The sun to warm, the rain to nourish, to everyone regardless. The good and bad, the nice and nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Hello. Ain't nothing better than reading in the Bible the words, grow up, right? That's about as blunt as it can get. Uh, there is a day coming, sisters and brothers, when, when God will exact perfect justice and put everything to right. Can I get an amen? <laughs> there is a day a-comin'. When it will happen. But until then, we have no hope of being different or being healed unless the power and spirit of Jesus lives in each and every one of us. And that is what directs our actions. Jesus wants to dwell in us, Jesus wants to give us the power of love and of grace that comes only by way of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to turn our lives upside down in the way that he called us to live. So how are we loving the ones that we hate this week? How are we giving in to the beckoning call of the Holy Spirit to let me in And let me turn your life upside down for the sake of Christ. How can we teach someone else out those doors today how to live upside down lives? How can we model that for somebody and then teach them how to do it themselves? This is is the gospel message. This is what living upside down has been all about. So let us, when we depart from this place, let us depart to live lives different in the way that Jesus first did. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hymn of invitation and going forward this morning is: I love to tell the story. Love to. T-